everybody, this is Nick, and I just want to remind you that I am on YouTube with Kyle Gothy from Goat Film Reviews. And the show is called Kyle Nick on Film. Check it out. Please like and subscribe, comment on our episodes. We do two episodes a week, and we do Scary Movie Saturdays, which is our new latest feature. Um, you can follow the show on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, we also have a Patreon for the show, so check out the Patreon for great options for shoutouts. And you get to pick and choose in the movies that we critique on the show. It's Kyle Nick on Film with me and Kyle Gothy from Goat Film Reviews. We greatly appreciate it if you check it out. Thank you very much. Okay, we're back, and today we have Caitlin, and she knows it's dedication. Caitlin, what would you like to dedicate this episode to? Well, I've been thinking about this crazy world we are all aware that we're living in and how hard it can be to create and especially create film in general. But now with the pandemic and the restrictions and yes. and everything, I thought I would dedicate this to all the people who have found a way to create film during this time. It was super hard, especially last year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I like it. I love it. Let's begin the show. All right, we're back on the St. Paul Filmcast, and today we have... Kate Collins. Now, Kate, I have to say, before we begin this, I love names because I'm a writer also, and I have to, you know, you have to make up names too. Yes. But you have one of the best author names. Oh. I think it, I, I would read any book by Caitlin Collins. Oh, I should start writing books then, I guess. Right. I always... I don't, I, <laughs> I think so. It's be, it, it's, just see it at Barnes & Noble's, like the next Caitlin Collins. I always thought it was um, a boring name. I went to school in elementary school with another, I went by Katie, it's Katie Collins, and there was yeah. another Katie Collins in my class. There was? Yeah. And I was like, why do I have to have the same name as someone else? It's not fair. <laughs> like, they even have my last name. It is kind of common, isn't it? It's very common. My, um, I would say, especially our age group, that, yeah, Caitlin's, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of Caitlin's. It's a lot of ways to spell Caitlin. Yeah. Yes. Um, so why the ways to misspell it, right? With yes. Y and, I and everything. <laughs> so, what I think it's a great writer's name. Thank has you. Somebody like I, I told. I would. I'm thinking like murder mysteries from Caitlin Collins. Well, if I was one. going to write anything, it would be murder related. So, especially murder mysteries written by women, I think are far more interesting because I think men, when they're murder mysteries, they think they have to go the super gaudy and the like mm. over the top and exaggerations. But I think if women do murder mysteries, it's a little more of the subtlety. It's a little more soft, a little more crafty. Like thought-provoking and yeah. twisty. Mm -hmm. Very twisty. Yeah. Because that's the world I think it's, <laughs> you guys are comfortable, well, kind of experience the world, right? A little bit. Uh, yeah, we definitely see it a little bit differently. Yeah. Um, I but think there is that um, women are maybe a little bit more into um, learning about that, like true crime and, and yeah. like psychology around it and stuff too. Right. I, I, my, I actually love true crimes and I have them on all the time and I watch it and my wife looks at me and she goes, do you think I'm going to murder you? Like, no, <laughs> I, I, I just fascinating because that's not who I am. I think it's fascinating to how, how you can get the even the motivation to drive to that yeah. solves your problems, just kill somebody. I am fascinated by it, too. And 
um, to a point that I really freak myself out where like in every situation I'm <laughs> wondering, counting the different ways I could be murdered. So not right now, though. <laughs> when I wrote my my first book, my comic book, The Green mm-hmm. Way, I had a little index card hanging. There was like the seven motivations for murder and I had them written down. And my wife is like, what is this? You know, <laughs> I go, what do you think? Like if you showed up, you found somebody dead on the floor and like... <laughs> But it was just like a drive to end the thing. It, it's a simple Google search if you search the seven motives for murder, and everybody yeah. has that. But I had it on the index card to remind you. So, do you listen to true crime stuff? I I do. I have a couple true crime podcasts that I really enjoy. Um, I watch a lot of things on Netflix and stay up way too late and then can't sleep. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Why did I do that? Yeah. 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 But no, I'm I'm very fascinated. So yeah, you hit the nail on the head. If I was going to write anything, it would be like a murder mystery. But I think it's fascinating when women do it because it's not like men. It's almost like they treat it like it. I'm I'm characterizing. Not it's not all of it, but men usually it's almost like a complete stranger, and it's mm-hmm. almost like they it's almost like a buildup. Like all of a sudden then they killed and they, it's like an eruption, and then they calm themselves down. They deflate and they compress. That's an abs- that's not true for all cases. But for women, it's always somebody that they're really person intimate oh, yeah. know. Yeah. yeah. It's almost like it's somebody like their neighbors or their family members. So it's a little more intimacy. They don't really do strange strangers, even though that does happen quite a bit. It does happen. I think more often than not, it is that that close relationship and sort of some of the more shocking stories. Yeah. They use poison just mm-hmm. slowly and then we'll sit mm-hmm. and watch you die. Oh. Like, <laughs> that's a little more methodical than like, ah, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Do you now? Do you do books still? Do, do I? Read, I read books. Yeah. Um. On occasion, I am the type of reader who, um, or I'm I'm like this with basically anything. Once I start something, yeah. I have to finish it before I can do anything else. So if I start a book, nothing is getting done until that book is finished. So it is a a couple times a year I will pick up a book yeah. and take like three days and do nothing else until that is done. So it's like almost like an impulse, like a drive. Like I want to really complete this rather than mm-hmm. for me, it's almost like I have to do that because I get distracted so easily. Yeah. So I have to like, all right, I have to get this book done yeah. and all through one process because if I don't, I'll stop and pick up another activity. But for you, it seems like I just want to be stop and be immense in the world. Yeah, 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 it is. It is more so that way. And But there is a little bit of that like I do tend to like – have a lot of things on my plate and a lot of like interests and so I don't want to distract myself with anything either <laughs> yeah. but um no I do like being part of that world and you know there are people who can like have four different books they're reading all at once and I do not understand that I can't do like, that either because that's like wait a minute what, what book yeah. do we, right, how do you yeah. know what's don't you confuse them all like yeah, yeah I need to sit down do it and then it's done so that's probably why i like movies much more than books because i can books get it's so tempting to be distracted and stop and and oh yeah out your lives where a movie you can go and just be wrapped in the world and don't push pause and just yeah it's so much more sensory so you get that so you know if you didn't know caitlin she's also a model and an actress and that's been something you've been doing all through your life or just something new um in in a in a way it has been i am like the typical theater kid and so i um thank god found that when i was in high school otherwise things would have been pretty bleak for me (laughs) but i was very into music and i think so many theater kids say that yeah and yeah lucky there's that 
wonderful outlet, but I was um, a very quiet, shy, shy kid and really sort of found my own in music and then got into musical theater that way and then um, wanted to do that with my life. And it has taken a lot of different turns and um, various forms. But yeah, when I found my way into like film and commercial, it was probably about eight, eight or nine years ago. Okay, so yeah. still, even though, even though that's for me, that seems like a short time. That's a long duration of time doing that. Yeah, in yeah. terms of you know most of my adult life, right? It's yeah. Then I have to say, when you did your first, was I super nervous doing your first commercial? Did you kind of get the? <laughs> I mean, it's. Um, I was thinking about that the other day, um, because I was talking to somebody who um, is also an actor, and he was working with somebody who it was their first time on set ever. Yeah, yeah. And I was trying to think like if I remembered my first time on set, um, I do remember yeah. my first, the first thing I ever booked through an agent was this modeling job for, um, it was like this wedding event center and, but it was a, a barn. So center loosely, oh, it so was a like barn. Old fashioned, like, like you know, for yeah. photography for like a wedding. Yeah. yeah so yeah. they were just promoting this, venue and they hired a couple people to be you know bride and groom and um it was november and it was maybe 30 degrees and there was no heat and i remember like i didn't have any sort of frame of reference like i didn't know that you know they probably should have like thought this through maybe and like found a way to keep us warm in our like sleeveless gowns and like Right, because was you a little exposed on top? I mean, like yeah, like and... the guys, they're at least, you know, I had suits and there were two of us girls and, you know, it's a big poofy dress, but your shoulders are bare and we couldn't, I remember not being able to like exhale while they were shooting <laughs> because you could see our breath. I'm like, is this normal? I don't know. <laughs> so those photos, I still have them and I just look um mostly very concerned and not, <laughs> not very much like a happy should bride. i marry this person <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so i was actually uh, uh, speaking of other podcasts but i was listening to michael mckeon on a podcast and he talked about them making the movie clue oh which i love that movie he said it was absolute blast to make because it was like a month just an entire month of just going to a dinner mm-hmm. a you just dress up for a high class dinner yeah it just felt like that way but he, he said that leslie and warren she couldn't exhale a lot of times really? in the movie because that dress was so oh. tight and she couldn't like bend down because it would break. So a lot of times she was just <gasps> so oh even goodness. that scene where she's like supposed to be scared. She goes, mm-hmm. <gasps> she really couldn't. I that's the most. That. She, yeah. That's the most she can get out out of her because she couldn't breathe in. Oh. So well, when you mentioned struggling in a dress, mm-hmm. which I that's that's the fight with modeling is that's good, looking good for the wardrobes it and especially is. on film too. And a lot of things that people don't think about is you're, you have to be, you know, six months ahead when it is summertime, you are like in your parka, you know, (laughs) because they've got to, they've got to, um, sell the the winter coat. Yeah. 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 Um, so you're almost like six months ahead. In January you're filming, you know, bathing suits and (laughs) it's like. Right. So, especially for like I think fashion because you have to think six months ahead for fashion mm-hmm. for fall season. They've been planning yeah. that since February, March, mm-hmm. with March. What they want to do for fall season? Yeah, so, you know. yeah, yeah. So, fun times. 
did you get to modeling after acting or modeling before acting? Um, it sort of came all at once. Okay. Um, I before I before I signed with an agent, I was pursuing more of a music related career. Yeah, yeah. And music theater. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I went to school for music. I studied opera in school, and then that was in Iowa. I moved to Minnesota after with the intent of continuing my education and going to Minnesota for grad school. Um, I was taking a gap year so I could establish residency, pay in state tuition. Right. And during that time, just everything changed. And I ended up joining a rock band and like going across the country with like this group of people. And oh, you guys even toured. We did tour. Oh. Um, it was a very interesting group of people. Um, they were a little bit more like grunge rock. And here I was like opera trained. And I'm like, what exactly are we doing here? It um, can work sometimes like the band Queen. True. <laughs> we were not Queen. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it was, there were some really like fun parts about it and there were some very like dramatic, um, cinematic even parts of, of the journey. And after I chose to leave the band, I was pursuing a more of a singer songwriter sort of career. And I, like, but it had to be some kind of benefit, get comfortable staging the whole touring aspect. And oh yeah. Comfortable doing that in front of the audience and absolutely. Yeah. yeah. There are a lot of, in, in a lot of ways, I grew as a performer during that time. Yeah. Um, and it also, like, really helped me establish, like, the type of musician that I was because I never really felt like I fit in any of the boxes. And then I realized that maybe I was just my own little box. And so I started, <laughs> like, writing my own music and I produced an album. And when I was doing that, I was working with just, like, whatever photographer I found on Craigslist <laughs> That's you know, do. Yeah. <laughs> trying to get some album art and like things to promote. And, um, somebody said to me that I should sign with an agency and I was like, Oh, what do you mean? Like, what's that? They're like, you know, like modeling and <laughs> commercials, agency, right? like, <laughs> but we're in Minnesota. What do you mean? <laughs> I had no idea that such a thing existed. And so I looked into it and then, um, submitted for a few places and there was one who decided to sign me and then I just started doing the commercial and modeling sort of at once and, and this is it's fascinating I think modeling now that I'm a little bit older I love movies but modeling is almost you telling a whole movie in one single shot oh and so I, and when I see a modeling picture mm -hmm. And especially like your pictures, I can mention like there's an entire story already taking place, even though it might be just a robe with coffee mm -hmm. and you have a little bit. But if you can do that, that is massively difficult to do. It is wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I have not thought of it in that way, but that is. Yeah, I like that a lot. Especially. And well, you did um, some pictures we're putting up with Dallas. Mm -hmm. that are fantastic she's a wonderful photographer dallas is great yeah um that was um so tying a, a couple threads together here that photo that i sent you was from a proof of concept trailer that i produced last summer well so summer of 2020 okay all right and dallas was gracious enough to come and do my um, behind the scenes photography for me 
Um, it was a, a huge labor of love and I had just tons of wonderful people helping me out on that project. Um, but it was about that story is about my time in the band, in the rock band. And so it's like a lot of like different parts of my life coming together to make that happen. Did you write it? I did write it. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. There's a whole feature um, script that goes along with that. So we are still figuring out what the next steps are. We're going to go with it. So you, did you do principal photography for it yet? Simple? No. You're still I mean, in pre-production? We did. We produced just a three minute trailer. Okay. And so we haven't done even so far as any pre-production for the feature yet. Just like a demo almost. Yeah. yeah like, it's, like for music. It's just a simple demo. Right. Pretty much, yeah. Like, <laughs> what can we do with this? Like, how can we get people interested in this project? And yeah. so, as um, my it was my first time producing anything, so like huge learning experience. And still, you know, I'm still a fish out of water, and like I I don't really know like what to do. I guess you know, just keep putting it out there, keep trying. I yeah. So that's about where we are. I have a little funny about story about producing. Mm-hmm. I had my niece come in and just record an audio for promotion of my comic book. We just did a little recording of it. And mm-hmm. then her sister, my niece's, or my my other niece, Adele, came. And I was like, what do you want me to do? Well, you can just be the producer. So as my niece Ruby is doing multiple takes, my other niece, Adele, is like, well, you're, you're the producer of this. She goes... I don't even know what I'm gonna. What am I supposed to be doing? I go. That is the question for every producer. <laughs> you ask the question. What all producers? I don't even know what I'm supposed to be doing. That is so funny. Um, so now you know what it's like to be a producer. Yes, <laughs> sort of. <laughs> My dad asked me that question too, and I told him I was producing it, and he's like, "So, what exactly is that?" <laughs> Beats me. I'm gonna I, figure it out. <laughs> I always, I always say it's just you answer questions. If yes or no. Mm. That's pretty much it. You're the uh, head authority of, could we do this? Yes. Yeah. Or no. And for a, a very indecisive person like myself, it is a struggle. Get to the point where I'm like, don't ask me any more questions. Just do something. So maybe I'm not the best producer. <laughs> <laughs> but I think even if you want to be, if you have inspirations for being a director and stuff like that, just the idea of somebody coming with your question, you just say, I don't care, whatever. That's not what you should be. It should be yes. Let's do that way, or no. I don't want it that way. I think once you get an affirmative answer to people, they know that you're fully confident. If you're a director and go, I don't care, whatever. That's not the answer. Yeah, that is. They would want something like, I want this, or well, we try this. Mm-hmm. For me, it's always options. I love to give options. You yeah. want to do this or that? I go well. You can do black or blue, or whatever. I always provide options as the best solution. But that's such a good point because if I am on set and I you know, even as talent ask something of the director and they, you know, like, how, how would you like this, you know, scene to go? Is this going the way that you want or whatever? And they say, Oh, I don't know. I don't care. I wouldn't have a lot of faith in them. So right. yeah. Rule number one, if you want to be a director, just don't say whatever, I don't care <laughs> because then everybody else is going to whatever. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's not what we want. <laughs> <laughs> so acting theater mm-hmm. and movie. Yeah. You just, I know there's differences. Huge differences. Differences, massive mm-hmm. different disciplines. So if somebody mm-hmm. like my niece Ruby, who's theater acting, or somebody else has theater acting, what is the big things that they should if they want to transition to movies? Um, focus on or well, you think about it this way: is somebody put this very well to me the other day? Is that acting on camera is like being under a microscope? 
So everything that you're used to doing on stage is yeah. going to be incredibly like overdone on film. Like even so much as like taking a breath or like a facial expression. Um, and like the, the lack of rehearsal, just, you know, you, you do a theater production and you're rehearsing for, I don't know, weeks or months, months and month, yeah. um, doing the whole thing start to finish. The reason that I really, not the reason, but a reason why I really love film is you have the opportunity to try things different ways and experiment. And you don't really, I mean, you can experiment and try things in the rehearsal process, but it has in to go theater, through so many but, channels, so many screenings. You have yeah. to like ask for, can I do it this way? Do it? And everybody has, it's almost a committee. Well, I should mm -hmm. do it this way, <laughs> right? Yeah. Where a movie's like, can I just try it? Yeah, let's do that take. Let's yeah. See. So in that way, like film seems so much more like playful and um, like a place to experiment. And I like that about film a lot. But I, I love both. I don't do much theater anymore because I have had a hard time finding a way to fit it in with all it's of all of other life's demands. Because mm -hmm. you have to, especially if you do theater, it's months of rehearsals, right? And then the the weeks of showing, and if that mm -hmm. play kicks off, then you might take it on the road, right? So it's a huge commitment of doing one thing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I remember Marvin Brando in an interview talking about how he had to do Streetcar Named Desire for six months and do three nights a show for for three months three three different showings a day and you have to cry three days for three months and it takes a lot out of you so much energy it's so much energy right? <laughs> i'm thinking about like how exhausted i get after even like i don't know a couple hours on a set because i am um an introvert and i have to recharge after time with people after like emotions after basically anything I'm, I'm always needing to recharge and that I mean the thought of doing three shows a day <laughs> I know <laughs> especially street nerd yeah <laughs> Stanley yeah we even play even the female roles in that yeah. movie yeah <laughs> like when do you get to check in and make sure you're actually okay <laughs> but one of the benefits of stage compared to movie is the reaction the in the, it's almost immediate. instant yeah. yeah it's instant you're like oh my god i know this is a hit and it's yeah. going and you can feed off that it know. is such a a thrill in the moment um yeah the yeah, definite high of of live performance and not to mention you can almost announce yourself to the world like mm -hmm. i am here mm -hmm. which they almost encourage in theater or in film it's almost like can you just Hold it back a little take bit. Take it down. Take it down. Please. <laughs> Especially, well, for acting classes, they always talk about, like, the loud characters to the the quiet characters. And I love those contrasts. And we always, especially when I write, I talk about who's the loud character, mm -hmm. who's the, even if they're not even speaking, dress loud. Mm -hmm. And who's the quiet character, who's the reserved characters, yeah. and stuff like that. And it's, I don't know, is there something that you kind of attune to when you're doing your writings and doing your actings, if it's the loud or? Um, when... I wrote my screenplay it I it, the work was done for me in that sense because okay. it was it is autobiographical it is people who exist yeah. and so it 
wasn't a matter of figuring out who fit in the scenario or you know who who filled what role it was already there for me (laughs) so in that way it's almost like the script was there you just had to i just had to pull it out of my brain basically Mm -hmm. um is it with acting as an experience before writing do you think that was a benefit i do think so um i think for a number of reasons because I've had the opportunity to read many scripts and so I knew a bit about just how things should be formatted and um, you know how long it should be and everybody wants their moment right every actor I mean they want their scene even if they're a supporting role they Mm -hmm. want that thing yeah um so yeah there are there are definite benefits to that um and I think just because I've, you know, been able to be on a lot of sets and just understand the process a little bit more on a whole yeah. and benefited me as a screenwriter, too. I think so. I think if you want to be a writer and just solely be a writer, I think take even taking acting classes mm-hmm. and not just they'll, even the actors there will appreciate it. I'm not here. I don't want to be an actor. I just want to be a writer. No acting. Right. I think they'll try to be, they're like, oh my God, yes, of course. Yeah. yeah. So it's, I think it's a wonderful benefit. I've taken a couple of them where I've just sat in, yeah. and it helps to know what actors go through. Well, one of the smartest things you can do as anybody, no matter what what your job is on the set, or I guess anything in life, is is to know like what the people around you are doing. Like, what is their job? Like, yeah. how are they important? And how do you like relate and work together or, you know, stay out of each other's way or like what? Yeah, it's very important to know what somebody else is doing and what they're going through and what they might need or not need. Yeah, especially if you have, well, like on the shot list, what we're we going through today. Mm-hmm. And um, especially like I know when uh, Tom Hanks talked about with Spielberg, he's like, he's already thinking three moves the next three days before he went they were filming. And he goes, that's such mm-hmm. helps because he came to me for Private Ryan. He goes, in two days, I need you to cry. And that helps as an actor rather than, all right, today we're shooting your crying scene. Mm-hmm. Get ready. Ready, set, go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> and then he goes, and then he told me the direct, this is where we're going to have the shoot and this is everything. We'll set the camera this way and we need you. This is the set where you can have your breakdown. And he goes, that helps so much to know that that's coming mm-hmm. and I can get in the mood and everything before... And it helps the process go along as well and helps mm-hmm. everything. So I think even if you're an actor, writer, director, anything on set, you almost have to think almost a couple moves ahead what we're going to do mm-hmm. before in the, yeah. the moment. Yeah, right? it's a smart way to be, for yeah. sure. So you've done features, commercials, have, yes. yeah. um, on stage. Yeah. Um, is it something that you thought always you're going to do? Um, have I, like, when I was young? Look, yeah, been when I, I okay so there is a home video my dad used to rent a camcorder for like oh back in the day, day yeah, yeah yeah I'm talking I was I was very very young um and I have two sisters and we're all very close in age oh my god your dad's going to heaven <laughs> <laughs> probably <laughs> um so he rented a camcorder for mother's day and I was probably five and my sisters and I, I don't know how much sugar we had, but we were like running around, like screaming, dancing, singing, whatever, playing for the camera, hamming it up. Um, But I kept like 
pushing my sisters out of the way <laughs> so I could be in the front. Um, <laughs> and my dad asks, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I was like, scream, I want to be a movie star. I actually said movie star because I had a lisp. So I want to be a movie star. And that's it. That was it. That's it. I mean, that's uh, so many people. I ask that question, and it does start early. Yeah. Even though they haven't they took the scenic route, sometimes to get there. Yeah. But I some, mean, I was I was little. I didn't know what a movie star was, and I well, there are many things I wanted to be. I also wanted to be a vet. I wanted to be a horse jockey. Obviously, wanted to be a musician, and even went to school for that. And I still, to this day, I just keep like adding things to the list. Well, I think at the core, that's. What all actors, like, I want to do this, I want to do that. I want to yeah. be the bad guy, right? I want mm-hmm. to do all of this. Right. It's, it is, yeah, I, I think for the most part we're um, a curious bunch. And the more that we can learn about, like, the world and things and explore and do, like, the better our craft is going to get because you just have that broader frame of reference. Yeah. My favorite thing is Robert De Niro actually was a taxi driver for a couple of weeks before he did the movie Taxi Driver. I love that. I <laughs> <laughs> realized all the stuff that you have to go through. To, yeah. Yes, I know. I drove for Lyft for a little bit. Well, that's going to be interesting because you get a lot of different stories. You get a lot, lot of, of different, yeah. You do. You do. I imagine it's a little bit more fun, like in a big city. Um, was not my favorite. I will tell you that. <laughs> especially, yeah, especially they think you had to literally are a chauffeur. Yeah. Yeah. With your own vehicle. I think that part was the hardest thing for me. Like, oh, you people in my car and you're changing your kid's diaper. But what are you doing back oh there? Oh, my God. They had all that. these things, people, they just don't think. <laughs> <laughs> don't think three moves ahead. <laughs> they do not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to take a little break with Caitlin, and we're going to talk more with about movies and acting. Greetings, nerds. This is Cena Nerd. I'm your host, Sarah Belmont. I'm the producer, Will Pope. And we talk... What do we talk about, Will? We talk about things, right? talk about a lot of things. Arrowverse, Marvel, DC, any... You talk about DC, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> we, we rant about TV. We rave about movies. And we, we do some reviewing, um, but we're not overly critical, but we're also pretty honest and blunt when writers and showrunners and producers get in their own way. Exactly. So give us a listen. Yeah. Good night. Geek out. You're welcome. <laughs> Caitlin, now I have to. I always ask actresses um, and actors and writers and everything. When you watch another performance, do you mm-hmm. critique it or can you just shut down and just enjoy the movie Ooh. or the book or 
or your does your brain go far enough like oh i like that selection or how they navigate it or that is that really depends for me um if it is well done and i can like sink into that world yeah i yeah i'm there but if there's anything that pulls me out then i have a hard time getting back into it for a while this was like a a big problem (laughs) um there was a very short period of time where I lived in Los Angeles and did a lot of background work. And when I was working as a background actor, that was all I could see anytime I watched a show. And I, because it was like so present in my head, I was like, Oh, look at them. They're walking from A to B. (laughs) It's that same person. They just turned around and they, Oh, look at, they're pretending to talk, but they're really just saying, you know, their grocery list or whatever, like mouthing words. And like, that was all I could see whenever I'd watch anything. It was like, what's going on? Cause that's what your job is, right? Yeah. 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 Um, I've moved beyond that. Thankfully. Um, I think I've ruined movies for my wife because now oh. she looks for the the, the background <laughs> actors like making a mistake or something or they're, they're mm-hmm. supposed to be pouring coffee but there's no nothing coming or like. yeah I mean every now and then if there's like some sort of continuity issue or something and then I like snap out of it I'm super bummed when that happens um, every now and then though it does I ruined commercials for her too because she's like oh that person's been in my house I, I, she, are you telling me she doesn't really work at the appliance They're, store no it's true <laughs> so it's, it, it, um i wouldn't mention the person's name but he's like yeah he was like i know i know we know so many actors and it's kind of ruined the the illusions right the illusions mm-hmm. for all of us like oh that's such and such i know her and yeah. yeah we don't but we don't get the illusion that you guys uh, people they're not acting they mm-hmm. can yeah capture the illusions yeah that is that is something i struggle with too with a lot of like really big celebrities especially if they're not giving the most compelling performance is all i can think of is oh that's that person oh they have this drama going on in their life oh it's, right. i know all this stuff about them and here i am not in the movie <laughs> um just sometimes why I, I prefer watching more like independent or lesser known um people on film because yeah they you just it, it's a lot easier to see them as the characters rather than the actor right yeah especially if you do independent films i like when oh my god how did they do that with all of all the budget they, mm-hmm. but they really convinced me to do mm-hmm. um it's hard to do car chase or car especially if an independent movie is and mount that camera on a car with no very little budget and you do all that yeah, yeah. And especially on location stuff like that mm-hmm. so, or do you do the makeup and all that yeah yeah have you done a scary movie i have yes i have done a couple of scary movies my first two um well, in the, in the first film that I ever did, um, I got so lucky. <laughs> <laughs> I got so lucky because this is um, another one of my Craigslist finds. <laughs> um, I had no idea what I was doing, and this was right when I started um, the the modeling and commercial work, and I was like, I want to find my way into film somehow. And where do you look when you don't know on Craigslist? This was ten years ago almost, yeah. and. Um, I ended up being cast in this film and it turned out to be a reputable production with like great people. <laughs> Got very lucky. Yeah. Um, and I murdered a couple people. <laughs> we just talked, we we're talking first, about it, right. First time out. <laughs> we just began just, our show talking about you know, yeah, female killers, right? There was, um, 
Like the premise was there was this break in in my home where I lived with my mom and it was like this bratty adult daughter who should have moved out a long time ago and was still like mooching off of mom and um, these two broke in and they were, oh, they were not trying to like burglar burglarize us or anything. They wanted more than that. And so they're kind of holding us hostage and I got my hands on the gun and bad things happened in the second film that I did I was murdered twice so I got oh, payback twice. twice you came back for more <laughs> so, um, now, so the beginning of your film career it's kind of funny because you were the perpetrator but then mm-hmm. you also become the victim and that's, yes it's kind of the journey of being an actress or you uh-huh. get to do both sides of both ends of the spectrum yeah, yeah. um it is different every day it was one of the things that I love the most about it um I do want so in in the first film that I mentioned I I was sort of the um the perpetrator by happen happenstance by force. yeah okay. um I would love to play a villain I don't know that anybody is ever gonna cast me as a villain but I would love that like just from um, the, a career the, acting standpoint satisfaction I will put Caitlin's picture up there, and I'm sorry to interrupt it, but it, okay. I think the contrast will look really well because it's so convincing. Like, how could this nice, sweet person, yeah, underneath <laughs> can just be this vicious, right? Yeah, yeah. But I so. think it's it's that inner core, right? Mm-hmm. That everybody, it's always the misnomer that oh, wow, she looks so nice. Why is she just so evil and rotten outside? They all look so wonderful, and normal on the outside. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So when you write, if when you continue writing. Um, uh, yeah, I was talking about this earlier today. I did write another short that it was a um, pandemic project and I found my way into, um, I was just really, really searching for a way to create and I'm not even sure how I found it, but it was a screenwriting competition and like the premise was you had five days to write a 10 page um, screenplay and they would randomly assign you two genres you had to include them both ah that is a <laughs> mix in genres that's okay yeah well I was like okay I'm gonna do this I need something that sounds like a great way to spend my time and so I signed up for it like midnight they email you out your two genres and you have five days I was assigned sci-fi and parody and I'm like, okay, these are the two genres I know least about. So <laughs> here we go. Where can I learn and find inspiration? So I started watching like the old Twilight Zone, like Which the is, original yeah. Twilight Zone. And you could count that as sci fi. Well, I was. Yeah. I was. I think yeah. you were right there. Yeah. Um, there was this, the, actually, I think it's the very first episode, and it's called something like last man on earth or something like that and it's this man who he is wandering out of some sort of like field or down some sort of dirt road and comes across this town where it seems like everything is normal and um like music is playing like shops are open and but there are no people and he spends a lot of time in this diner where like he really wants to have some breakfast and there's nobody there to serve him and he gets quite frustrated about it and I thought it was funny and it also reminded me of this true story that I had just heard 
about this man somewhere in the South who late at night went into a Waffle House and he was drunk and the employee was sleeping. And so there was nobody there to make his waffles. And so he made them himself. And then, like, went back the next day and paid for his waffles. I thought it was a great story. I'm like, okay, I think that is a perfect way to combine sci-fi and parody. I'm going to put these two stories together. And so that's a a very um, interesting waffle-inspired story. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it's really fun. And I ended up being a finalist. I did not win... You know, they the prize was that you would get like a live reading of your screenplay. Yeah. And mine was a basically a one man show with a lot of action and um stunts and you know. That'd be kinda of hard for like when it when would people have people crave live readings, they want a little more than just one yeah. person. There was yeah, really no dialogue there at all. So um But for writing perspective, I think it's a great way because then you can yeah. You got shared on one character and before, yeah, before and you get really deeply complex. Yeah, for from a producing standpoint too, it's like small cast, like one location, like um, yeah, like I said, there are some like waffle related stunts and and things like that. Because um, it's like in Zombieland, the, you know, it's it's a horror movie, but it's a comedy. Mm-hmm. But then Woody Harrelson is just looking for his twinkie. He's craving Twinkies for some reason, <laughs> and then they have that comedy bit of. Going through all this, the crucible and you know, suffering, but then you find, oh, Twinkie! <laughs> yeah, there's, yeah, there's a little bit of that. Well, the <laughs> end of the world, but man, I'm craving waffles, oh. and I don't care if I'm going to make it myself or mm-hmm. not. Yeah, yeah, it was really fun to write, and I revisited the script a few months ago because I wrote it for a male actor to play, and then I was thinking to myself, why, why, why did I write this very like great role sorry boys for a man yeah it's almost like the like, automatic right even, yeah even for a female writer like right? why yeah. couldn't i just write that for a female like i could play that role why would i not just write that and do it myself Isn't why would bizarre? i give it away yeah so i changed it and yeah well maybe find a way to be producing that I soon yeah my one of my first writing scripts was this male serial killer and he was just, he, stalk, he already picked out his the victim and stalking him, but he had this piece of food stuck in his, that's just bothering the crap out of him the entire time that he's going through the mechanics of all that he's doing. And the whole point of the story was he doesn't even get, he's just doing it because it's a mechanical process. He doesn't mm-hmm. get why he, he forgot even the joy of why he did it in the first place. And then the joy comes back of him getting the piece of food. It's like, oh, God, that was a release. As the victim's <laughs> on the slab, oh, I'm great for, I'm happy for you. God, that was, and then he continues the methodical mechanics of what he's been doing. It, so it's almost like he lost the whole emotions of why he was a killer, but the, mm. it came back to him when he got the, the nagging piece of... <laughs> <laughs> oh. One-track mind. <laughs> Which I thought would kind of be a parody of itself if it's done right. Mm-hmm. It's one of the hardest, I think, John was to do is parody because it's almost like you have to love what you're parodying to make fun of it mm-hmm. but it's one of the most difficult things to do i yeah. mean mel brooks is good at because he loves those like young frankenstein he loves those oh, yeah. horror movies so you, you want to do it but you have to put the jokes in there as well mm-hmm. right yeah. yeah so if you can do parody good it was you know it was a challenge but i had a lot of fun doing it so hopefully yeah i'll, I'll be inspired to keep that up do, when you write do you have a title in mind or you work towards it um, 
for this one, I I did not have a title. Um, I, I do now. But for my other project for Tennessee, it was always going to be Tennessee. It was, yeah. So sometimes it, it's not really your process. It's just what the story is going to do. Like, I'll figure out a title later or mm-hmm. rather than I have a title. Or, yeah. Yeah. It just depends. It's a lot like because I also write a lot of music. Um, I don't have any particular method that I go about. It's never like, oh, I write the lyrics first and then I write the music or it's sometimes I'm just like playing around on the piano and like, oh, this is nice. Oh, I should oh, have this thought in these words right now. Um, and sometimes I have a notebook and I write down words and yeah, it's, there is no tried and true method for me. It's a little bit of everything. I love when you write music because it's almost everything when you're writing, it's almost like you ask a question and then you get the answer. So every music is like, bum, 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 bum. So it's always like every time you're asking a question and then you get the answer. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes you get the answer, then you get the question. So it's, then you know you have to know the valleys where you're going to go up or down or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Yeah. It is like every every song is its own little journey. Right, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you still listen to music when you write? Um, I Yeah, I listen to music a lot. I don't... I honestly don't like play or write music as much as I used to or even should for as much of a like cathartic experience as yeah. it is for me. But yeah, I do. I listen to tons of music. It is very like influential in, yeah. In I think if, heart, I, for if sure. I'm when I'm writing, if I need energy, I'll listen to like some rock, <laughs> right? Just I need the energy to get the back to where I started from. Mm-hmm. But if I need something like a, a solemn scene, I'll probably put on something like Bach. Mm-hmm, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <Ruth here. laughs> um, you should try. <laughs> um, my my recent favorite I wasn't like writing or doing anything except I was like kind of in like a crummy mood (laughs) so I started listening to Verdi's Requiem man you want to feel emotional put that on okay Siri I'm gonna (laughs) do it (laughs) or if I need a really like I'll put like Rachmaninoff with something if I need a boisterous piano Mm -hmm. energy like where are we going with this action sequence something I think encouraging like I think music is a benefit for especially for writing absolutely yeah Especially, well, if, I think they always say film is 50% audio in music and everything. Yeah. And, and I would argue that it's even more. Like, the I had a, a great acting coach point this out that because I think he was trying to encourage us to um, work on, like, our own projects and things like that. And he's like, the most important thing is going to be the audio because you can have something that maybe doesn't really look that good, but if it's got like great like audio, great soundtrack, whatever, like that amplifies the project so much more than the other way around. You can have something beautifully shot and if the audio is terrible, like you're out of it. Right, I agree. And I've told so many people like we, my phrase is people watch anything but they won't listen to everything. Mm-hmm. And if your audio is really garbage, and but your visuals is great, it's it's not going to work. Yeah. You need really good audio. You need to clean mm-hmm. it up a little bit before it, so it can, people can enjoy the cinematography. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I, 
I was a teenager when Forrest Gump. Everybody went to that movie and they went right to the record store and bought this soundtrack. That's such a good soundtrack. <laughs> oh my gosh, that reminds me of such a. Funny I just remember story. right, all my, we a group of us, or twenty of us, went to see that movie, and I think all of us went in the car right after the movie, went to the record case <laughs> and bought the CD. Okay, so you know that um, the it's at the beginning of the film, or is it at the end, where the feathers floating down and well, there's it's bookend, a, right? Yeah, yeah, so like the sort of twinkly feather music, whatever. It's very like indicative of Forrest Gump like you hear it and you're like that's the feather song yeah so I was in this yoga class and this was a few years ago and it was like it's hot yoga like 9500 degrees although and, intentional hot yoga yeah thing? intentional yeah. hot that's that's been my jam I like torture <laughs> um in this class like super intense like I don't know where the instructor was really going with this playlist. It was sort of everywhere. There was some country. There was Just some try. rock. There was, yeah. you know, everywhere. Finally, we like finished this class. We're all like drenched in sweat and we're laying on our mats in Shavasana and the Forrest Gump Twinkly Feather song comes in and I could not keep it together. And I'm like, we're supposed to be quiet right now, but I can't, I can't handle this. It's pretty great. I'll remember that. <laughs> well, I do. I think from talking with you the last hour, I think you have all the ingredients to make a movie on your own. You, music, acting, and the writing, and then the, you know, I think you comfortable to do the whole production. Yeah, just gotta mix them all up and bake it. Yeah, that's all they talk <laughs> about. Is you got? It's almost like you, got, you have all the ingredients now. You have to put in the oven. And, mm -hmm. Yeah, especially for writing, you have to go through the first three drafts to get comfortable. Oh, yeah. I actually know when I write, I submit them to females to read. Oh. I don't actually ask for yeah. males to read my stuff. I ask for females to read because there's obviously, of course, my bias. It's just, it's going to be in there. Sure. And, and they want to, maybe you want to do this way or something mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, like yeah. Different perspective definitely helps. Yeah. It's the only word, the only reason I know the word coif now. Because <laughs> <laughs> I get a female right. Well, you want to read my script? And I was like, ah, oh, see, I know you're a female right? You put coif down there. No man's going to put that in there. Right? Or, or I wrote a script where somebody, I read a script where somebody, like, the, the, the daughter woke up and from a horrible nightmare and they, the dad gave her orange juice. I was like, that no no dad's gonna give that girl orange juice. You give her milk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't want to have orange juice in the middle of the night. Right. right. Doesn't sound like a good idea. So Sugar. I put in my writer's notes. It's obvious you're not a dad. <laughs> 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 you want your kid to stay up all night? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> oh, funny. So, do you go to the theater still? Um, I. I do. I have. I mean, it's obviously been a while. Now things are starting to happen again. I hope to again soon. But I just like yeah. the whole buildup of it. I I love it. Yeah. I right before oh, I saw the best show. Um, right before the pandemic hit, um, at oh, what is it called? The Ordway. Yeah, it's great. Um, great this musical called Six. It's about um all the wives of Henry the Eighth. It's incredible I, I think it's like running on broadway now and this was like before it went to broadway they were doing like a little tour of it and they came to saint paul and it's fabulous janes and ann's and yeah janes and ann's um, i'll have to go see this it's fascinating oh i love this the series Tudor, so, so good it's set like it's rock music it's um essentially just like this pumped up like concert like historical concert really really good 
we had, a couple of years ago, I think we took my niece and Ruby to see Chicago. Oh. Yeah. at the Orway, which is great. But they put the orchestra on stage. Oh, it was a revolving really? orchestra. So the pieces moved, but they were on stage as the acting wow. took place. And then they interacted with the musicians as the, you know, I can't remember the lawyer's name in the, in the script, but, oh. but Roxy and all mm -hmm. the, you know, they're interacting with the, the performers and she's enticing the music to like, yeah. It was, oh, that's really cool. I, it was fascinating to see them actually play it on stage as well. It's, that's the piece too. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, hopefully we'll start seeing a lot of that come back. I've also like really love going to see concerts too. So you still do concerts? I love going to concerts. Mm -hmm. I um I have some tinnitus, so I'm trying to hold back mm -hmm. going to concerts. Yeah. Because I used to be in a rock tough. band too. Yeah. And I did a lot of rock band. I used to do factory work, and my ears took a beating. Oh sure. Oh. <laughs> so. It's hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm doing okay, surprisingly. I used to work at Dakota Jazz Club a few years ago, and I got to see so much great music when I worked there. However, there were certain times where, like, I forget what they were called, Tower of Power, um, where they literally had amplifiers stacked floor to ceiling <laughs> <laughs> and you're not just there for like the one or two or three shows a night that they're doing but you're there you know for like their sound checks and like yeah. every so from like 2 p.m to like midnight just thumping in your head i'm like i'm definitely going to be deaf after this but <laughs> I, <laughs> I bounced back <laughs> Tower power. Yeah. yeah um fun very very loud um, so music, acting, modeling, I think the whole ensemble is wonderful. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and anything else you can think of, I've probably done it or tried to do it. We just so. got to get you started writing your crime murder <laughs> novel. I know. Yeah. yeah that'll be, that'll be on Let's, the list. It has to be a female serial killer that's obsessed with some kind of music. Almost like mm -hmm. Alex from the Clockwork Maybe she Orange. listens to Verdi while she murders. I will. There you go. It's a million dollar <laughs> idea. I love it. Yes. And if you don't appreciate it at the, at the level she does, then you're going to die. Mm. Yes. I love be it. be a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> a long list. <laughs> well, it's all about obsessions. I, obsessions. I think we talk about, before we go, I think people have a negative connotation with obsessions. Mm. And of course, it can get health, unhealthy when it's, it's obsessed. You know, when you constantly, it doesn't. It distracts you from your ordinary life. Mm -hmm. But if you're focused on music and everything and people are like, well, that's your world, of course you're obsessed with it. Mm -hmm. But it just becomes when you're neglecting other responsibilities, then it becomes a problem. So we use kind of the word obsessive almost like a negative connotation, but it also can be healthy. If you love movies, my God, yeah. watch eight movies a day. Who cares, right? Yeah. But if it's taken away from your hygienics and responsibilities, then okay. This is true. Yeah. This is true. You have to pretty much be a human that can operate in the world and be safe and healthy and then obsess right yeah <laughs> <laughs> but we always I, movies are when i would critique movies i always what's the contrast and what is the obsession the character has in the movie because mm -hmm. they, they, they will have the, of course that's what they're focused yeah. on yeah, yeah. everybody's got them <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. so caitlin i have to say thanks for coming oh thank you for having me i would love to have you come back and just talk stories and anytime music and everything and 
course, me being a drummer, we'll talk more about rhythm than melodies. But well, I have zero rhythm, so <laughs> <laughs> I probably learned something. <laughs> I, I I don't have natural rhythm. I need when I did a drumming, I needed it in my ear to boop boop. Yeah, boop, nice. too, so. I get nope. Don't have me play to a click track. I cannot. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for coming. Um, before we go, how can people find you? Um, they can find me on Instagram at Caitlin Collins Actor or my website, Kate, C-A-I-T, Collins.com. I have to say thank you for coming. And Caitlin knows it's not over till the guests say it's over. I think it's over. There we go. <laughs>